How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the RDN Good Roller Pod, episode 12. Before we get into this episode, I just want to talk to you guys about NARCH and kind of what's going on with NARCH Finals since they have released their press release on May 1st. As most of you guys know, NARCH East Coast Finals has been canceled due to the coronavirus. NARCH West Coast Finals in Irvine, July 10th through the 19th. Obviously, given the circumstances, nothing is 100%, but they do feel more confident with a timeline over two months away that the NARCH Finals in California will happen. So... That's a little more optimistic note, but nothing's 100% sure, and that's just all depending on what goes on in Southern California. Um, I'll kind of read another little clip it here from the article about what's going on. Currently, the rinks in Southern California are shut down until June 1st, so I'm sure in a few weeks they'll reevaluate and have a better idea if this is a realistic reopen date. If they are able to reopen June 1st, Narch's going to try to run a large event in June so teams can get at least one tournament in before the NARCH finals in Irvine in July. So this is very optimistically thinking, hoping for the best absolute best case scenario. So yeah, um, you know, hopefully if all goes well and everything's on, you know, the best case scenario, then NARCH West Coast finals will still go. Anything we hear from state wars or tours, you know, we'll definitely post out um and we'll let you guys know and we're hoping for some good roller this summer and we'd love to be at these events so hopefully everything goes on but without further ado i'm gonna send it over to dweezy to do the interview for us so hope you guys enjoy this one hello everybody and thank you again for joining us on the good roller pod today we have a guest that i revere as american roller hockey royalty He's a three-time world champion a two-time arch pro champion a two-time tours pro champion he had 230 points in NCRHA play representing UCSB. He represented USA as the captain this past year at the World Roller Games in Barcelona. It is our honor to welcome Travis No to the Good Roller Pod. Welcome, Trav. How you been, man? Uh, thanks, boys. Quite the intro, Dweez. Thanks for uh, been working on the leg work there. I'm impressed. Uh, man, stoked to be uh, joining you guys. Uh, I love talking roller hockey as much as you guys do. So this is a nice little way to shake up a Monday morning of work. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to chatting. I know Absolutely. we, uh, I know we talked about it a little before we started the pod, but what have you been up to during the quarantine? Just trying to stay active and, and as busy as possible. I was telling you guys like work for me has been pretty busy. Um, just, I work in the wine industry and uh, it hasn't slowed down at all as far as quarantine and people still uh, enjoying their booze. So uh, I've had my hands full with managing all the retail sales for Kendall Jackson in, in California. So still working away, uh, which has been a huge blessing. You know, I, I know not everyone's as fortunate right now. So I'm just uh, thankful that I'm still working and have a job. And outside of that, I'm just getting outside as much as possible. I've been throwing on my old, uh, I'm actually throwing on my old Reebok skates, like huge blast from the past. Wow. 10 year old skates. They're actually in good shape still. And, uh, just cruising around town, getting a lot of weird looks, but, uh, skating, skating through, uh, Orange County and just trying to play, play outside and, and surf and swim and stay active and, and make the most of the time. So it's, it's been good. All things considered. Well, Cali, Cali definitely has that outdoor roller skating weather right now. So that's yeah, for sure. 75 and sunny. So I'll take it. What's a wine that's been going off the shelf since people's been home? 
Uh, man. So, so Kendall Jackson, Chardonnay, I don't know if you guys are familiar, if anyone listening is number one selling wine in the United States for, for 27 years now. So that's the company and the, and the family I represent and work for. And so, uh, a little, little plug right there. If anyone's looking for Chardonnay for mother's day, that's sort of what we're known for. It's a little bit more of like an older consumer that likes our wines, but it's been flying off the shelf. And uh, yeah, like I said, people are drinking more than ever. And particularly something like wine too. You know, a lot of people are staying in and cooking, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever. So um, yeah, huge opportunity for sales and stealing market share. And that's sort of what my job is. Uh, I manage a sales team of 45 people here in California and I'm just doing our best uh, to, you know, move the business forward during this time. So yeah, it's been, it's been good. I've been drinking more wine too, for sure. So, um, trying, trying to stay sane. Wow. Well, if you guys, uh, anyone needs their wine, you know who to hit up there. Uh, yeah, there for go. sure. I might, maybe I can sauce you boys a few bottles for having me on. So. Okay. All right. Do you do shipping? Do you ship? Uh, I don't directly, but I can probably arrange something for All right, cool. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> George's actually got a glass of wine right now. Yeah, 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 I got a uh, hey, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> My man, I dig it. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, Kev, well, we'll get it. Yeah, we'll get into some wine stuff later, um, of course. But, uh, man, let's start from the beginning, dude. Uh, I know we had a good chance to sit down at Barcelona and kind of talk about some USA stuff, but... Uh, for those who don't know you, I mean, us three here, I, I don't personally know your entire story. So, I mean, like just from the beginning, man, where did it all start? Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny because I sort of reflected back on this last week a little bit. And so it's, it is weird to think, you know, I'm 30 years old now to think about how, how long you've actually been playing roller hockey. It's been 25 years now, um, five years old. Uh, I was pretty much played everything growing up. I uh, just loved sports. Like you couldn't keep me inside. I, I needed a ball in my hand or doing something. And my dad was uh, was a great athlete growing up. And um, I had older neighbors on my cul-de-sac that just played. It's funny. We're talking about skating outside now. They just rollerbladed outside and played you know, street hockey. And I looked up to them. They're like four or five years older. And so my dad bought me skates to go, you know, skate with them and just go play on the cul-de-sac. And, he always says, he said, it was really funny. He's like, I didn't have to teach you how to skate. You just like knew how to, and you just loved it. Like you couldn't, you couldn't come inside and I would just play with all the older kids. So he's like, maybe there's something to this. He knew nothing about hockey and was like, all right, well, there's a rink 10 minutes away. You know, we'll sign him up for a, you know, house league. And the irony is in, in, you know, you guys, you know, whether it's Colorado or people live back East, like naturally you're going to play ice hockey first or, or early on, you know, you're going to be exposed to ice hockey for us, the roller rink was 10 minutes away. Uh, and the, the closest ice rink to me wasn't thir- wasn't for 30 minutes. So it sort of like shaped up the roller just became like my natural progression. Like I just wanted to play there and that's kind of where it all began and just house league and made some great friends, met some you know really good families early on. And as you guys know, like that's a big piece of it. You know, when you're younger, it's like, how do you connect with, you know, families and friends that create a, create an environment that you you end up going to tournaments with and playing travel hockey with. And that was sort of it for me growing up in in Thousand Oaks. Uh, My parents got really into it and we actually started our own team uh, called the VC Vipers. So I don't know if you guys are familiar, like we were not very good. We were played like we, our goal was to qualify for platinum for NARCH like that for the longest time. Like if we could make it to platinum, that was like the life dream. And we, we were gold for like, up until I was 12 and then we picked up Matt white for a summer 
and that got us to platinum. Nice. Wow. Nice. nice. Pretty, pretty solid addition. So kind of a cool like blast from the past. Whitey and I, and he'll be the first one to chirp me if he hears this. Like he, he still chirps me to this day because I was so tight. I was the smallest guy on the team. And so he always jokes to like, cause it's funny cause we've shifted now and um, <laughs> he'll always just like keep me in check. Like I knew you when you were the little trap. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I always love that about Whitey, but yeah, he was, if, if anyone had ever seen Matt White play at 12 years old, I think between him and junior, I've never, I mean, those guys were like leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. And it's just fun. It's funny because you see him play now and you, you kind of get why, like, why he was a freak talent, but uh, so he helped our team kind of progress up to platinum, and yeah, man, just played a lot of roller growing up. Just loved it. Um, played ice too, and as more of my buddies got more and more into ice and wanted to go play juniors and stuff, I was smaller. I knew I wasn't going to play juniors, and to be honest, like I just didn't love it as much. Like there's something about roller hockey and like the creativity of four on four and puck possession. And I just loved having a puck on my stick and just with ice, I just dumping and chasing just wasn't my, uh, it didn't stimulate my mind in the same ways. And, um, so I kind of, kind of drifted away a little bit, actually, um, ended up quitting hockey at about 15, uh, just because all my buddies were just playing ice and roller roller didn't really have like the same, emphasis as it once did for a lot of the, for a lot of the kids I've been playing with. So that changed things a little bit and took a little time away from the game, um, before kind of re falling, falling back in love with it, you know, almost by the time I got to college. So that's sort of like, as far as, I don't know if that answers your question, but that was sort of how it <laughs> yeah. began. No, ab- absolutely. Two things I, I got from that. I, I'll throw it to Jordan and Rob. Do you, <laughs> do you guys remember like your parents teaching you how to skate or remember like, le- I don't either. We started out on the street. We got some skates from Toys R Us and my parents were like, here, have that. It's me and my brother when we first moved here. And I I didn't have anybody teach me how to skate. So now when I do learn to plays, it's really funny and like kind of weird, like explaining to kids how to like stand and how to like move their feet. And then next into that is the same thing you just said. I mean, for the youth to want to be involved and parents to commit, there's got to be an environment and a culture to a place that the kids and the families are coming to that they feel their kids are, you know, safe and that they're going to excel and they're going to have fun and they're going to feel accepted and welcome, you know, and that that's a big part of youth rec league hockey anymore because they're across the country in pockets, it's not there. And so I do what, what, I remember as kids, Jordan, Rob, growing up at a skate city, kind of how it was. I, I love whenever we had a game on a weekday and you're going to the rink and you're seeing all your friends who go to different schools and stuff. And you're absolutely right. You got to, you got to foster a culture that kids and, and families want to commit to coming to on a weekly basis. For sure. Did you start playing roller again when you got to college? Is that when like you started getting back into it? Pretty much, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I took time off to play other sports in high school. So I played high school basketball and ran track and cross country and just kind of got into some other things. Um, like I said, well, all my buddies moved and were playing ice. And then I grew a lot in a year, calendar year. Uh, I grew quickly, uh, like seven or eight inches in a year. Wow. And yeah. And, and 
I had a buddy still playing at the roller dome, like the rink that I grew up playing at. And he's like, you should at least just play on like Tuesday nights with us or whatever. And I was almost like bitter towards hockey. I was like, nah, like I'm just doing basketball right now. And then I, I went for like a pickup or I went for one night and after growing, I was like, Whoa, like I can like toe drag way, like way further around guys <laughs> now, or I can like do like, I still had some of the like things that I was good at when I was younger, which was you know more hands and just vision kind of stuff. And now that I had a little bit more reach, I realized I had more like opportunities to, to shoot and to, to get around guys. And so uh, it started becoming really fun again. So that was about like 17, 18, right. When I was graduating high school. And then I ended up visiting when I was looking for colleges, I was going to go to, I'd gotten into San Diego state and I thought I was going to go there. And I took like a last minute visit to UC Santa Barbara. And as my dad and I are doing the campus tour, like the guy just quickly says like, Oh, and there's a roller hockey facility in our like back of the gym back there. And my dad and I like just took a double take, like what? Like this was at the end of the tour and we just split off from the tour. We're like, all right, see you guys later. And we just went straight to this. And like, I don't know if have you guys ever been to the UCSB rink? No, I didn't know they even had one. It's incredible. I guess they've changed it around a little bit since I've been gone and it's smaller now than it was, but like it is bigger than any rink we play on at Narch or, you know, or yeah, State Wars, any of that stuff. It's bigger than that. Like super high quality scoreboards, benches, everything. Like wow. first class roller facility. That's awesome. just sitting just sitting in the rec center at UC Santa Barbara. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I gotta if I can go to this school and play, like that'd be so much fun. And so I ended up getting in and uh yeah, that's uh so that kind of like re-sparked the love for it because it was like, oh, I can keep playing this game. And uh yeah, I ended up making a ton of friends at UC Santa Barbara and just playing all the time. And uh, that's kind of where everything kind of started to take shape was, you know, being, I guess, a full, full-time, full-blown roller dad at that point. <laughs> well, you hit it right on the nose because I heard when, when I was at Lindenwood, I heard a myth that UC Santa Barbara had this nasty rink in that when you went there, you literally spent all your time there when you weren't like doing school stuff, obviously. But yeah, I, all, my Cali boys I lived with at Lindenwood would say that you literally were just at the rink all day, every day, as long as you could be, because you have a rink on your campus. Like yeah, we did, even at Lindenwood, we didn't have that. They made this little weird thing that they said could be used as a rink, but it got used for other stuff and it wasn't like the right surface. Or so like, to have that access at school, I, I can only imagine that, you know, that spark came up again for you at a at kind of a transitional time for you. Yeah, for sure. It was unreal. Like I, I ended up just having so much fun. Like I found like a little locker storage area that they didn't even know about. And I like locked my gear there and I would just go to class like with my twig, put my twig like in the corner of the classroom, like on campus and then just, go skate every day after school and just put in headphones and just start shooting. Literally. literally. And, uh, it's, it's funny. Cause like the Rex I knew nothing about hockey. So like they'd make me wear a cage, even if I was shooting by myself, like they had all these weird rules. Like it was, it was kind of annoying, but at the same time, like, cause at that point in time, I wasn't really, I wasn't even playing pro or anything like that. So when you talk about just doing things cause you love it, like that's what roller hockey is, you know, like there's, you never, you never played, or I never played with like the intention of, Oh, maybe I'll get paid for this someday. Or, 
I'll make it somewhere. Like you just, I just loved it, man. I just would just sit there and just try to pick top right for hours on end. And, um, yeah, so super thankful to Santa Barbara for that. Cause that kind of, it's where it really all started again. Well, before we get into, you know, kind of your first, your first treading of, of pro roller, you had 230 points in a couple of years at UCSB. Like that's a lot of goals. I think it's, and uh, I think it's over. I think it's like 242. It was, uh, over 230 is what I meant to put. Who, okay. Who, who were you playing with? Cause I know like Linder went there. I know the Moonies went there. Um, there was like one or two other guys I can't remember, but UCSB had a really good program for, for quite a few years. Yeah. Linder and Mooney were after me, which I'm always, always bummed about. Cause I mean, I love those guys. Uh, Linder and I, he was always a couple of years younger than me. We grew up in the same hometown. So he played out of the roller dome too. And just a great kid, great family. And, uh, it's a bummer that we couldn't all be on the same team at one point. Um, but my, my teammates, so how it kind of worked in my time there. So I wouldn't say that there's any, there's not going to be any names that you guys recognize. Uh, my junior year, this, this kid, Billy Hahn was a lefty who was just like a natural goal scorer. Who could like one time, everything Is that related to the name. No, not related to Matt. No, uh, just super good athlete. Like he didn't even, he hadn't played hockey for years either. And he just like one day came out to skate with us. And I was like, this guy can bury everything I throw at him. And so he was just like natural goal scorer. So I really like leaned on him a lot. Cause like at a certain point it, it felt like I was carrying like three guys on my back every time I had the puck and, and it was hard. So having just like one guy who could really bury made a big difference that junior year. Was, and then was my Casey skate, wedge. In there yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. So, so Wedgie, uh, who's funny, he's in the other room right now. We live together. <laughs> oh no way. Yeah. So shout out to seen Wedge in a minute, man. Yeah. He. Um, so, like uh, a big group of guys from my junior year to my senior year, we were all in the same class. And what made our team good is they just understood how to play roller. And so no one really had to be like that crazy skilled. They just got like, oh, it's about puck possession and control. And so we, we skated together all the time. And I just felt like our team was really good at like understanding how to play together and were patient and won battles and didn't try to like, we've all, like I've been on teams where if, if everyone's going North South and only cares about getting shots on and rushing, like you could be a really skilled player that can't have the same impact on the game because you can't get in a flow with anyone. And our group like really understood how to flow together. And so, um, yeah, that was a, an amazing two years and a lot of points. It's funny, a lot of points, but I actually played defense, um, at UCSB. <laughs> so like all those were just from like, I guess I was third, I guess I was third man in a lot, but, uh, <laughs> it was more so so that Second I could play longer shifts and just kind of sit back and, and try to control the game a little bit more. But that was, you know, at that point in time, the most fun I'd ever had. I was having so much fun playing in that league. So. What were you studying while you were at school? Business? Uh, I actually did communication and sport management, um, double majored. And then at the time, I was just really interested in like journalism stuff. So I was writing for the school paper and doing, doing all that. So I ended up going a totally different direction after did school. You, but yeah, but it was an awesome school. Did you write a lot of articles about your roller hockey team? No, not at all. <laughs> um, wrote about other stuff, but it was actually pretty sweet because our, our school didn't have a football team and we weren't a great big sports school. We were more of like a surfing and party school. 
So, but we had a hockey house. So we had a house of 11 guys and we threw great parties. And so we like actually developed like a pretty good reputation on campus. And um, so people that came out to the, to the roller games and and got pretty into it. So uh, never, never got to write about us, but like people knew about like, Oh, you're, you're one of the hockey guys. Like, yeah, we were at one of your guys' parties. That was a great time. So (laughs) we, uh, we had some good celebrations. We won uh, regionals, which is, you know, against UNLV and Cal Poly. Dwyer, you know, I mean, those are, those are some good, yeah. Good school. So we pulled it out in one regionals my junior and senior year. So the, the parties at the hockey house afterwards were, uh, were pretty awesome. And we held on to those, those regional cups as if it was a Stanley cup. We were like yeah. out of that and drinking, <laughs> drinking out of it all year long. So it was pretty fun. Um, when did you start getting into the pro roller game? As you know, you play for Palmer now. So how did you start getting playing for pro after you did UC Santa Barbara? So it was right. It was basically in the middle of my time in Santa Barbara when I first got kind of got a sniff at the, the Narch Pro stuff. Um, you guys remember like the revision, like obviously revision still around, but like the like original revision vanquish that like won in two thousand eight with like yeah, middle and, 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 yeah, and those guys like they had the all white and all white black. Um, so Brand, the Ellis brothers were from my hometown, and. Again, I was sort of like coming up and starting to get my, you know, starting to get better and better now that I'd grown. And they asked me to play Winter Nats uh, that year, which I feel like is always kind of like the introduction into pro is like, come to Winter Nats. It's a little watered down. Like, let's see if you can hang. Yeah. And so I think I was maybe about 20 at that 19 or 20 at that time. And I barely played like they had me as like the sixth or seventh forward. Um so I hardly played uh, in round robin. And the funny story is, I think my first shift in one of the games was against the AKS Empire and I high-sticked Rob Alexander, who would later become one of my best friends and line mates. I high-sticked him so bad that they gave me a five in a game. And it was my first shift in like the second or third game at Winter Nats. So I got kicked out. So I was like... I just remember being there, my dad like shaking his head at me and I'm like, I just blew it. Like I got my chance at pro and I'm now don't even get to play. And, uh, so I was super bummed and it's just, it's ironic because Rob and I ended up becoming line mates and roommates on all of our trips and stuff later on down the road. He still gives me shit for that high stick. I think he's got like a little scar. So (laughs) it was accidental, but, um, Anyways, I ended up scoring like a pretty big goal in the semi of that winter nats. Uh, like just one opportunity I had it buried and they ended up asking me back um, for a little bit. And that was sort of what started it. And I ended up going over and switching over to Reebok after that. But that was sort of the introduction to pro. I, but I remember being super nervous and like the game feeling really fast, way faster than college and um, just trying to hang pretty much. That Reebok Larceny team, that was a fun team to watch. Uh, I remember it was like Urbano was in that. Yeah. You, Olinger, Alexander too, right? Yeah, Alexander, uh, Jordan Thomas. So some of the actual guys that are on Palma now, uh, Aronson, uh, Josh Laricchia. Oh, yeah, the brothers. Yeah, that was actually one of the best. I mean, when I look back on it, that team was a really fun team to play on. We uh, we were coached by Dave Cairns, and he just had a really good way. Like, we only had eight guys, and he was all puck control. He used to, like, tell us not to shoot. Like, he didn't want us to shoot. And it changed the way we all thought. And um, 
ended up being like a really fun team to play on. We never won anything major. Uh, we won winter nights. Um, we beat Palma. I think that was like right around when I was coming up with them. Um, that was our one big win, but yeah, that was a good team. Yeah. I remember. I re- go, yeah. You go ahead, Rob. I remember watching that game. Cause I was, I think I was with Daniel or Casey with the quakes during that time. Yeah. Uh, and I think you also played with, was it that hyper team or the mission team with Annoy? Yeah. Man, yeah. it was like, you were playing juniors, like your age group too. And it was yeah. like, dude, this dude just backhand shelved it from the top of the circle on me. I don't know what the <laughs> heck just happened, but no, that was uh that Reebok Larceny team was a fun team to watch because the possession game, it was, it was insane. Yeah. We won that winter nats with six guys. Yeah. Uh, which I think Palma had like 12. Uh, wow! <laughs> yeah so that was when it was like just don't shoot just hold on to the puck you'll keep your energy it was a really interesting like strategy that really like I said kind of changed the way I looked at roller after that I'm like wow you can really affect the game if you can have two or three guys get on the same page and uh, that's sort of what Rob Alexander ended up you know him and I that's where we our friendship kind of began and I um he changed hockey for me because he was one guy who I just felt like complete unison with on the rink. And, um, I feel like it ended up changing the way I played a lot. Um, so that, that was kind of the beginning of all that, which was really cool. I remember, um, in San Jose too, I think it was 2012. Uh, you guys came just short against Alkali in the D one championship. I remember, yeah. I can't remember if it was you or no, I think it was Novak. He had a ridiculous, like crazy tip in goal. On the, yeah. on the side that the fans are kind of closer on in San Jose, but yeah, you guys just had your yellow jerseys and your black jerseys. You were, you were simple as can be you guys all had Reebok stuff, but anytime you guys hopped on the rink, it was like, yo, like we're going over here. <laughs> we're going to yeah. go watch these guys play. And yeah, I remember that championship game, obviously it was Alkali's first year, um, kind of with a D one, a junior, a pro team with all those guys that you're pretty familiar with. So yeah, I'll, I'll, that was an unreal game, and those those uh, Reebok teams are always fun to watch. Yeah, that that was right when Alkali got on the scene, and actually when I first really met Joe, um, that was like all happening around that time. And uh, I I had heard about how good Novak was. Everyone was kind of like touting him, you know, as like this this is the guy. And so I remember like really wanting to win that one and being super bitter about losing it. And that was D one. And gosh, the D one divisions back in the day were so good. So to, like, so stacked. Way. They were what my years at Lindenwood going to play D one was like. Obviously, as a young buck, I, I backed up for Leggett. I was playing with the excitement a year later. Like, we weren't going to sniff anything at pro, but D1 was always like, this is a lot of fun. Uh, that first year, I was playing with the Mudcats. We came up, we lost to Junior and, and all the mission guys. And I was surprised. I think Alkali, you or Alkali beat them uh, to get to that championship that yeah. year because that mission yeah. team was stacked. That but was, yeah, they were D, unreal. Yeah. D one was always, yeah, they had TK junior John, John, like it was ba- uh, Shavo, basically that next gen, uh, group. Yeah. So man. Yeah. That's back when, cause D one like was just so fast where, you know, when you get to pro you would have like, and there's nothing against these guys. They would, they helped, you know, create the structure, but it was like, then you had the Yoders or the, 
you know, like just some of the like older guys who would play physical and know how to slow the game down. But D1, it was just like, oh, we're all like 19. Yeah. Just running. (laughs) Yeah. And you're all trying to like make it to pro or some guys are playing both. And so it it was super competitive and like really dense competition. Whereas pro, there's like three or four great teams. D1, it was like, there was like eight teams. That could win. It's, it's always one of the best divisions to watch, like Barnum. Yeah, you yeah know? that was a blast. So you, uh, you played with Alkali and then switched over to Palma. What, uh, what sparked that or what, what happened? Why did you end up moving over from Alkali to Palma? It was sort of just, you know, it's funny because I actually just watched, I, Narch has been like, Throwing, doing like throwback games and stuff. And I watched uh, an old Alkali game. I think it was from like 2013 or 2014. And just like got the serious feels of nostalgia. Like, man, I miss playing with Novak and Ketz and, um, and Rob. And there, there was such great chemistry on that team. And we were a really tough team to beat for a couple years stretch there. And I uh, loved playing for Joe. He's such a great coach and, and a great guy. And, you know, him and I had a really good connection, just coached a player. Um, so I, I loved playing with those guys. It just got to the point after like, I think three or you know, probably four years playing together, I realized like everyone's, no, I'm the only guy from California still on this team. It was all, you know, once Rob Alexander kind of hung up the skates, it was all Missouri guys. And I was playing you know, winners and stuff with Palma and, you know, forming a relationship with Rob and, and Mike Nijar. And, um, yeah, to be honest, it just felt like time for a change. And I, at the time, Rob Alexander wanted to make a change. And, and like I said, him, him and I were really close friends and I leaned on that guy a lot, like as far as just playing wise. And so we just kind of like, well, let's, let's go with Palma for a little bit, um, or, or try it for, for a year. And, I've just loved playing. Um, you know, Mike is such a good man and I've learned a lot from him just in life. And, um, yeah, so that was sort of what spurred on the switch. There was no, like, I mean, Keller, Novak, Spezia, all those guys are still my boys and and Joe as well. Um, just kind of a, a change of pace and more so like local with California. So that was sort of the impetus behind the switch. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, it makes sense, you know, playing, if you're playing there all year with those guys playing internationals with them and you live there. Um, so you might be playing local rink, you know, rec leagues with them. So that's, it's always nice playing with people that you're familiar with and kind of live near to. Totally. And that's one of the cool things about Palma is like, and what, why I was really into it at that point in time, it's like they play in every tournament and like, if you want to go like Mike's like, yeah, let's go. He wants to always have guys playing where, and it's nothing against, you know, outlier or even like the missions of the world. Like at that time, it's like they were only playing in the big tournaments in the summer. And, and I was pretty focused on like, just, I want to play in as many tournaments as I can. So, um, yeah, thankful, thankful, um, you know, for, for both Alkali and Palma, they're both great, you know, teams to play for. I've had great memories of both of them. Uh, I know that just before the summer happened, Etan had joined Palma and now with all this quarantine Corona stuff, how excited were you to actually get and play a summer like with this new Palma team? I'm pumped, man. I, we're feeling really good about everything going into this. So we'll see, we'll see how summer shakes out. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting junior just cause my first couple of years of Palma, I didn't, didn't have junior either. And so, and like I said, Rob Alexander kind of hung him up. So to be honest, I felt like I was, I was kind of struggling to find rhythm with a lot, you know, 
with a line mate. Um, and that's no knock on anyone. I just, I, I wasn't in total rhythm. I felt like, you know, almost selfish as a player and junior and I have a really good connection. Uh, have always played really well together. And so once he made the switch over, I, I felt really good about our chances and, you know, we won tours over summer and I thought made a pretty good run at Palma pro. And, but I always felt like oh, we're missing one piece. You know, we're missing like this, a, a little bit of extra oomph on the, on the scoring end. And, uh, man, if anyone's been watching Ethan the last year, the guy has really put it, you know, put a lot of focus on getting back and not just back to being a great player, but just giving back to the sport, which I value a lot. And, uh, him and I have had some good conversations off the rink too, about like what that looks like. And, uh, I'm just really impressed by him. You know, he's really like matured and grown into, uh, just the guy that he is now. And I just remember saying to Rob, like, Dude, Ethan is carrying rink rat to wins. Like, could you imagine if we, you know, were able to get him on our squad? And um, I know there had to be some reconciliation there, you know, uh, between Ethan and Palma and everything, but um, total water under the bridge at this point. And I'm fired up about it because he's always been one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, always been one of my favorite guys to compete against. Like him and I have always had like a really healthy respect for each other, like battling against each other. And um, He's just—he's uh, one of those just natural goal scorers, natural creative talents. That uh, yeah, I can't wait to play with him. I can't wait to get on the power play with him. And uh, we haven't really ever played together outside of like a, a couple times here and there. So we'll see what this summer holds and the future holds. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. Scary, uh, scary addition. <laughs> yeah, we, I hope, uh, we I hope everyone's scared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, t- we talked about it with Pogo a little bit. We interviewed her last week, but I mean, um, you, you've been with the Nijars and Rob and, and Labeda for a little bit, kind of, I mean, touch on the, the family aspect that Palma really brings to your team, the sport as a whole and everything, because I, I was lucky enough to play two internationals with Rob and Mike and, and they, they took absolute unbelievable care of me. And yeah. I, I'm a guy who, you know, Rob just kind of reached out to see if I wanted to play a winners. And I felt like absolute royalty, you know? So they just, they treat their guys so well, you know, just touch on that a little bit. Yeah. They treat us great. And I, I want to like be careful to walk around the, um, misconception that I think a lot of people have is like, Oh, the Nijars are very wealthy and well off. And so you just go play for them and everything's paid for. And that's why people do it. Like, I've at least like, I want to defend that. That's not the case. It's more so like the heart behind it all. You know, they, they do, Mike's a very successful guy, but he doesn't have to do this. You know, he's got a freaking NHL team. He's part owner of the golden Knights. You know, he could very easily be like, why am I spending all this time you know, on roller hockey? But it's because they love it. And just like you and I, and he really just cares about the sport and he loves being at a tournament more than anything else. And so being around that, like, it's really cool to see this guy who has all this wisdom. He's, you know, kind of like a guru in a way, you know, this, you know, he's in his sixties, you know, from India and yet he like has all these lessons he wants to teach you about life through hockey, which I've always thought is really neat. Um, and yeah, because of that, he's always family first. And so when we go to these tournaments, it's like, how do we all have meals together? How do we all, you know, come to the locker room 10 minutes before the game and actually talk about the game? You know, some stuff that maybe gets lost in translation and roller. Sometimes he's really trying to build team camaraderie. Um, 
And yeah, ultimately like I find myself just really wanting to win for him. Um, it, it's been like a huge motivator for me to just like, I want to win one for Mike cause I see the look on his face whenever we do win. So, um, yeah, he, the family's awesome. Rob does a great job managing the group too. So it's definitely a unique, uh, culture. And the fact that there's multiple teams, like a women's team and a men's team, a couple men's almost, teams. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's like the men's team's almost like a farm team in a way. Like, and I don't mean to like they, make that sound. Yeah, they good. win everything in platinum. They win everything. They're the best men's. It's like, if you can play on a men's team, that's yeah. the spot you want to be that's on. That's the dream. Then, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot, I think there's guys from pro that are like, I'd rather just go play men than uh, go play for Palm. But I love like if you do really well there, like some guys have gotten the nod to come up and play for us. And so there's cool like kind of back and forth. And so I think that's pretty unique. And um, yeah, love the Nijars, man, and love what they've done with the Palma Pro and stuff. So it's been uh, it's been a fun team to play for. Are, are you able to, to share the mantras with us? Yeah. Uh, or, 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 do you, or do you want to keep that kind of more in the locker room? No, I'd be happy to share. I don't think Mike could have any issue with me doing so because it's it's basically wisdom. Um, and that's and that's why I wanted to ask. I can't remember all like six or seven of them. I remember a couple, but like it was so cool that this was something that a pro team would say to each other and talk about before a game. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's like it's way beyond hockey. So I'm gonna try. I I, I can remember if I'm like in the locker room. Uh, like, you know, like the, the rhythm of them all, but basically it's like, don't let anybody disturb your peace of mind. Elephants don't bite. I feel wonderful today. So it's like these things you can kind of speak into existence, speaking to life. Um, uh, gosh, what your is, attitude determines your altitude. Oh, that's one. Yeah. Your attitude determines your altitude. Four is don't let anyone disturb your peace of mind. And then number five is the best is yet to come. Best is yet to come. Yeah, and so uh, we, we always finish with that. And what's really cool is Mike texts me. We t- we text almost weekly, and he'll text me on like every holiday and stuff. Just a really thoughtful guy, but he'll finish every text with number five. Best is yet to come. That's so, unreal. So That's, pretty, pretty, pretty cool and, thing. So, and I'll send him if something like I bought my first house this year, and that's been something he's been like really help, you know, just help helping me push me into. And so I'll always send him stuff like number five, best is yet to come, and. He loves it. And, uh, yeah, again, they're, they're like mantras that have nothing to do with hockey yet have everything to do with hockey. So that's it, and, and I, I mean, like I told you, I was, I was living at Krogman's my last year at Lindenwood and I got to go to winter nationals and winter wars with them. And, uh, yeah, at winter nationals, they came in cause it was all, it was a completely different group than what they've yeah. been having. So Mike came in and had to go over the mantras a little bit. And I, I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. So I, I appreciate and thank you for sharing that with everybody. Cause I think it's really, really unique. Yeah. It's cool. You had that reaction. Cause a lot, it's always funny to see new guys come in who have never like been exposed to it. Yeah. Cause we, we've always kind of picked up a new guy for every tournament. It feels like, and we'll be sitting there before a game and then like, lo and behold, like Mike comes in and then he starts saying these mantras and you'll look at like a new guy, like, you're like what is going on right now everyone's like chanting these back to him it's super it's kind of weird if you don't know so it's always funny to, to gauge you guys reaction so i'm glad you like awesome <laughs> you played in france for a year and you played in the french league and you yeah. accumulated 78 points in 18 games <laughs> um tell us about how the experience was playing over there for a year man it was a blast um just a great experience overall, you know, from life travel to hockey, the hockey really surprised me. 
I sort of went over there a little cocky, to be honest. It was 2014. We had just won Worlds in 2013. Won a bunch of tournaments that summer with Alkali. And I was sort of going over there like, oh, this French league, like, I can't wait to light this, like, light this league up. And I was held off the score sheet. I didn't score my first game. I think I had like one and one my second game. Like I was off to a really slow start. And I was like looking because they did the stats updates every week. And it was like Woods was like out of the gates with like eight goals in his first game. Woodsy. Yeah, exactly. The other Woods. And uh, I remember being super frustrated because the rinks were smaller. Um, guys would just like condense, like collapse on me super quick. And if I was physical at all, like I, I led the league in PIMS, by the way, actually I had 78 <laughs> points, but I also had the most penalty minutes too. Because <laughs> uh, like I would, because I was bigger than a lot of guys too. So I'd touch someone and they'd call something. I was just losing my mind. I was super frustrated. So it took me a while to get to that point. Like it took, I'd say probably six to eight games of like figuring out the style of French hockey. And then also like you kind of have to teach your teammates how to play with you. Um, Cause they're just like, man out there, they're just head down, like pucks on net. And I'd have to like try to explain to a guy in French, like, no dude on the two on two, like let's cross, <laughs> like let's drop, let's like slow the game down a little bit. And I was like Google translating stuff. Like, how do I tell this guy how he's supposed to do this? So luck- luckily I had uh, Kavaya who spoke great French and like knew the league well. And let me tell you that guy, I mean, he's a hell of a player here in, in, you know, in the summers and stuff, but out there, PJ probably blocks 50 shots a game. And yeah, I mean, he's just an animal and he was, he was just really good. I mean, he was, I was really lucky that we ended up on the same team because he from defense to forward, we had a pretty good connection. So anyways, answer your question as it like, as the season progressed, I started to figure things out more and more and like getting a rhythm. And I, by the second half, after I came back from um, Christmas, I got like a lot of confidence. I'm like, okay, I know how to score on the, on the small nets. Like it was shooting five hole a lot more. It was quick shots a lot more. I think I had like a string of games. It was like six or seven games in a row where I, I had, I think I had six or seven hat tricks in a row. And then um, ended up having like, like I said, Woodsy and I were like battling for the scoring title and I had a nine goal game uh, against Phil New. Wow. Which that like helped. a big deal. Me <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was a humble brag, I guess. But uh, <laughs> so that, that like really like, again, the confidence started to go from there. Um, so it was a blast. The, the, it was fun to travel to games and like make a whole weekend of it. You like hop in the van with a bunch of French guys smoking, smoking darts. And uh, <laughs> like, like these guys are smoking cigarettes at halftime of games. Like, I'll no just way. Like, yeah. Oh, our goalie would just like, everyone would be, you know, taking off our stuff at halftime coach giving a speech and our, our goalie would be ripping a dart. And you just be like, this is unbelievable. And uh, that is yeah. wild. Just funny stuff like that. Like guys like thought McDonald's was like the greatest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> you would have thought they were Kettler, like how excited they were to <laughs> after a game. Um, so it's just funny, like cultural stuff like that, that you don't get out here. So I loved like the road trips and uh, it was always fun. Like if we won the road trip back, like boozing on the, on the like little vans and stuff was, was a good time. So uh, yeah, I love France, man. What look, where did you live? What city did you live in? 
So I lived in this little town called Atis Mons, which is like, it was just outside of Paris, but it was, it was on the main Metro link into town and it was like four stops. That's all 15 minutes flat. So it was, it was epic. Cause I could just like walk down to the Metro station, hop on and I would just like throw my headphones in. And I, I like crushed a bunch of books that year. Cause it was like, you don't have wifi. You don't have like looking back on it. Like that stuff is such a, a weird kind of blessing in disguise. Like I had no connection to anything back home once I left my apartment. And so it was cool to just like hop on the Metro. I would like walk around town all day and, uh, and then just go to practice that night. We, I'd coach a couple of the French, um, like I'd coach the kids, which was an experience in itself when you don't speak French, uh, trying to like teach them, you know, they barely spoke English. I barely spoke French. So it was a lot of whiteboard like arrows and like just, trying to help them, you know, just watch what I do and, and try to shoot. And, uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, a lot of just, a, just a great experience overall. Super thankful. I did it. I coach kids in English and they look at me like I'm talking French dude. So yeah, I can only imagine yeah. like yeah. the reversal where it's like, yo, we're no, nothing's getting through right here. Yeah. You've been playing for team USA for a while and, uh, you were the captain last year, leader of the team, one of the leaders of the team every year. What's it like being being the one that everyone kind of looks up to on the team and getting the team prepared? It's been an honor, man. Like just nothing short of that. Um, growing up, you know, you just, I never thought one, I would be on the USA team. And then once you get there, you're like, holy shit, I'm on this team. Like this is, I just, my first IHF, you know, in Germany, it was packed house. And I remember my first game and just being like, pinching myself. Like, I can't believe I'm here. And, you know, at that point in time, you know, I was you know 21 and young and just thankful to be on the team. And, you know, Yoder's our captain and you look at guys like him and you're like, you know, he's just Mr. Steady in the locker room, been doing it forever. But he was so cool to me, like always made, always went out of his way to like, come like give me a you know tap on the shin pad or, you know, just give, give, give a word of encouragement. So that kind of stuff sticks with you a little bit. You know, when you're the young guy, it's like, all right, if I ever get, if I can be lucky enough to do this long enough, you know, maybe that's how I'll be, or that's how I'll try to be is because I appreciated it when I, you know, when I was the young guy and uh, yeah, man, just as the more and more I kept playing, you know, you, you play on the team each year, you develop more and more friendships and relationships with the guys. And I would say I, I wasn't a leader early on, by by words or anything like that. Like I, I didn't speak up much early on, but I think I think most guys would tell you that like I, I really care about winning. And like when I go on those trips, man, I just I want to win like I, more than anything. And whatever that takes so that means like putting my face in front of a puck or going to bed early or you know whatever it is. I just I wanted to win. And so I think over time if you do that long enough, guys, you know, start to rally around that. And so as the years progressed. I, you know, Cook put an A on my jersey. I think my second or third year, and then, then you start to get a little bit more confidence to speak up, and then you start to see the younger guys come in. Like I remember Spezia's first year on the team. He was my uh, Joe put him as my roommate, and so he was the young kid, and it was his first year, and I think it was my fourth. And like I love Tyler Spezia, great kid, and and uh, it was fun to like be in that that side of the role. And then you just kind of develop the leadership stuff from there. Um, so yeah, I get to answer your question, man. It's just, it's humbling. It's on, it's an honor to have not just a letter on your Jersey, but to just be able to have those relationships with guys where they, you know, they look up to you and, um, 
yeah, it's been great. Well, I mean, I couldn't really pick a better person to represent Team USA as a captain and uh, be a leader too, you know, a leader on and off the rink too. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that a lot. And you realize too, like, I think a lot of the guys will say this that play on USA. Like we, we know that we're playing for, for you guys, for like everyone back home, you know? So it's like, don't be foolish about it. Realize how lucky you are to like be playing. And like, for those of us that love roller hockey, um, like we owe it to the sport to, to, to do right by it. So Dweez is, Dwyer's, you know, seeing that on our trips at USA, it's like in Barcelona, like we had a blast, man, but you know, you know, we were all business when it came down to it too. And I 100%. think like, like anything in life, it's about balancing those the best that you can. And so usually the teams that do win, uh, it's like not a secret formula. It's like learn how to have fun, but then also care about winning just as much. And if you can do that, you're going to be a lot harder to beat. Give us a, give us a Cody Kettler story. It could be international. It could be alkali. Give us a good Kettler story. (laughs) Good Kettler story. God, I've got so many. I know. Um, It's, it's just, (laughs) I've got a lot too, but yeah, it'd be hard to narrow it down. Um, well, one, I'll say one of my, just one of my favorite just hockey memories in general in life. When I look back on some of my favorite times with USA is just traveling with that kid. It's just constant story time and just constant self-deprecating chirps. Like no one I've ever met is like more comfortable being chirped than him. Like he like (laughs) just invites it upon himself. And so, you know, I don't know. He just knows how to lighten, lighten the locker room a ton. And to the point where he gets so much shit throughout the whole trip that like, it just makes the trip. And so, so my, so my favorite memories are at the end of like a big tourney when you win with cats, he's just like seeing him dance around his little naked white body in the locker room with the gold medal on having way too much fun. You're like, dude, you're the man. Like, I just love you. Like it's, it's, uh, it's funny too. Cause like he, he didn't used to like uh, my first couple of years at Lindenwood, like he, he didn't get after it. Obviously like you're a young kid, you just come to school, like parents aren't around. You're, you're going to get after it a little bit. And he, and for the first couple of years, like he, he didn't, it was like an occasion when he would. So then as he got a little bit older and he did start getting after it, like just more things come from that. And so, yeah, like, like you're saying, I, I, uh, I heard the year, I think you guys won in Slovakia. He said he was an absolute mess that night. Um, and so, yeah, like even, even last year, just in Barcelona him walking around with his shirt just around his neck and and (laughs) a goddamn fan attached to his phone output. And he's like, boys, Daddy's melting. <laughs> You're just like, just looking like a bag of milk walking around <laughs> Barcelona. Like I, we're always, you know, we're always like, gosh, what, what do the other teams think when Kettler like walks into, you know, like he's not a great, not a great intimidating factor for us USA guys, you know, so oh. send him into the rink first and uh, let them know what they're facing. But yeah, that's that one memory that just popped into my mind when you mentioned Slovakia, the night that we won, Gosh, everyone on the team would be chirping us right now for just how goofy, because he brings it out of me too. Like, he's just so funny, uh, just so comfortable with himself. We were at the bar, the club that night after we won, and him and I just played this game on the dance floor where we like sauce to each other. 
And then we like toe drag around people. <laughs> like, this big dance floor in this big club, like all these guys are like grinding with girls and you know, like we're partying, like we just won. And like Kettler and I are like one timing passes like <laughs> midair on the dance floor. And Kettler's just, like, <laughs> Kettler's form of celebration is playing air hockey on a dance floor in Slovakia and just being like, Oh, I'm with the boys and we just won. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he just just funny classic stuff like that. I love. One of my favorite, like, there's so many on the rink, too. Because, uh, I mean, it's so funny. For such a nice kid, he has such a temper, too. Oh, my gosh, right? Trying, I've, I feel like I've always been trying to calm him down a little bit. Uh, there was one, I'll, I'll have to throw Pat Lee in here. I'm hoping he listens to this podcast because he's the man, too, for anyone that knows Pat. he's uh, For anyone, Kettler invites chirps, and Pat's the perfect person to be there with him because Pat just loves chirping all day. So uh, they're pretty funny to be around together. And there was one tourney where uh, Joe was gone and like or like missed this game. So Pat was like running the bench, and we got a delayed penalty. And Kettler had the puck and is coming up the rink, and Pat just wanted to go on for the delayed penalty. So he yells at Kettler and tells him to come over to the bench. And Kettler's like, "I have the puck though." And like, he's like, get over here. And Kets like skates to the bench and like leaves the puck, gets on the bench and Pat just jumps out and like just totally just swooped his spot. And Kets was so pissed about it and so frustrated about it that he was like on the other side of the bench, like just shaking his head. And someone saw like he might've had a tear in his eye. And so for the rest of the weekend, like all Pat said, or like everyone just chirps Candler for like, did you really cry on the bench? And like, we heard you were crying when that happened. And so that's just like, those are the kind of stuff that he's just so fun to give shit to that. Uh, I could go, I could go for days on just all the tourneys where we've given Keller shit. So you mentioned too, like Pat is just perfect. Cause Pat like gives zero shits. Like what anybody like kind of thinks or how anybody feels like in that moment, I know Pat's like, Kettler, get off the rink. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then he hops on, he takes the puck and he probably just looked back at the bench and like, gave his little smirk and like went down to set up a delayed power. <laughs> you just, that was exactly it. You just, Oh man, that's it. That's unreal. Oh yeah. It would be great. I got a weekend. The, the three of us have actually, uh, we did a golf trip, uh, a couple of years back and just had a blast. Like we, we visited Pat and like went out on his lake and went golfing and, um, between Keller, just everything he says, you want to chirp him and Pat being like the ultimate, just, I mean, that guy's got a quick wit. And so I just oh, sit back. Man. I don't say anything. I just observe the two of them. And I got, I got a weekend last year when, when we were all at Midwest wars of, of Pat cats and Archie. And so Pat, <laughs> Pat would just give it to both of them. <laughs> Archie <laughs> wouldn't even like be acknowledging Pat. He'd just be talking about something. And Pat would just like quickly slide something in there. And Archie would be like, you know, and would just take them completely off the rails. And yeah, that's just instant comedy all the time. Yeah. Pat's actually a good guy. When we were talking about USA leader stuff early too, not a lot of people would jump to like mine or like Pat Lee being a leader, you know, just cause he has a reputation of being kind of an asshole at times too. But he was actually a guy my first year when I was pretty nervous that he would say the right thing at the right time. Like he, he gave me the nickname baby cheetah back then because I was just like super long. I was super just long and just skinny and fat. I was way faster back then. And um that has to be a trivia question right there. <laughs> that is a perfect trivia question. Yeah, that was that was my like original nickname with USA and then it just went down to Cheetah. 
And, uh, yeah, so that was a Pat Lee thing, but he'll, I remember like being real nervous around him cause he would always just be giving everybody shit. And then there was like one game at that tourney where he just came up to me and he's like, dude, you're awesome. Like keep shooting. Or like, he's like, shoot the puck. Like we need you to score or something like that. Where I was like, Oh, I thought Pat hated me or like thought that I was just like this little, you know, little kid who just barely made the team. And he, the way he said it, I was like, his timing was really good. So he, Pat doesn't get enough credit for being like, you know, good at that kind of stuff too. So I, I had a lot of fun playing with that guy. Man, uh, the, the one camp that I got invited to, I think when you guys went to, um, check when I, when I was there, when, yeah. when the last camp that was here in Denver, yeah. um, I remember the last day cause we got rained out that Friday. It was really weird. And then we hopped on Saturday, Sunday, and then part of Monday. I remember when, when the cuts came out and everything and the team came out, um, I didn't see the sheet. Uh, I, I don't know if Pat even saw the sheet, but Pat came up to me and was like, Hey man, like you played really, really well this weekend. And that alone for me was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like Pat Lee went out of his way to say that, like that was a big deal to me. So yeah, it's kind of like, like big, big respect if, uh, for Pat, like if, for sure. you know, he's been around, he's, he's won everything and he, he's, he acts like one of the guys, but like you saying, when, when the time comes, he knows kind of when to flip the switch and stuff. So sure. that was a huge, huge kudos or a huge compliment for me that he even said that to me. Yeah, that's awesome. So kind of want to get into some, uh, wine talk. I know, uh, I know you're a big wine guy. So where did your, uh, love for wine come? Yeah, man. It, uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, cause like, I don't think a lot of people, I don't know if anyone really knows that, like, that's a big part of what I, what I've been doing for the last six years. Uh, when I was in France, I started to actually develop like a, a appreciation for it. Cause it's such a big part of the culture of, you know, over there. Um, but really what, what got me into it as far as like becoming kind of a career path was I had two buddies from UCSB, uh, who were both working for the company that I work for now, uh, after college and they were like thriving, they were loving it. And so when I came back from France, I was deciding whether I was going to go back, uh, and play another year or not. And I knew I kind of wanted to be in like Newport beach area. There's, you know, there's good hockey in Irvine and, um, one of my buddies who was working for this company basically was like, dude, the, the Newport territory is open. Like I'm going to plug your name and you'll, you'll get an interview and see how it goes. And, um, I, I got the interview, I got the job and I was deciding whether I was going to go back to France for another year and play in Paris again, or, or get into wine and, um, took the chance, just wanted to start working and start kind of building a career. And, um, yeah, that was back in 2014. And, just really like the company that I work for and they teach us a ton about wine. It's, it's a California family owned wine company. We have vineyards up and down California and, and a bunch around the world too. But, um, so I've learned a lot about it over the last six years and I've just held a lot of different roles within the company. So I've started in sales, moved to management. They moved me out to Wisconsin where I like managed our wholesaler partners and like all of our business out there in the Midwest, which was like, a huge learning experience for business. And then now that I'm back in California, I manage all of the California retail business. So it's a really interesting industry. It's a fun product, you know, like as far as things to surround yourself around, um, you know, it's a lot of young, young, like-minded people and we get to drink at work meetings. So it's, uh, it could be worse, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I really, I really love wine and I've learned a lot about it. So, um, yeah, it's a cool, cool deal. That's pretty, so you, you spent a couple of years in Wisconsin, right? Like two years? Two years, yeah. 
And, and like, so being, being a Cali kid and, and you'd been to France and stuff like that. I mean, like, what was it like going to Wisconsin at that point in your life? <laughs> it was bigger culture shock than France. I can yeah. tell you that much. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, man, I didn't know anybody out there except for, uh, Peter Dale, who we can chat about. Uh, he was the only name that I knew out in Wisconsin. Um, he'd actually done a camp in Santa Barbara when I was in, when I was in school in there. So we'd met then. And I got the promotion out there, didn't know a soul. And it just seemed like a lot to pack up my life and move out there. But it was a huge like career step for, for my job. And so I took it. And when I moved out there, you realize how small of a town it is. First night I get there, I'm, I'm out at dinner at Capitol Grill. I'm trying to like get to know the account base that I'm going to be selling to. Just having steak dinner by myself. And I tell the bartender, oh, I just moved here from California. And someone down the bar turns and goes, are you the new guy from that's working for Kendall Jackson? Like, <laughs> I'd been there for like six hours. I'm like, okay, maybe this place isn't that big after all. Um, and there was a weird connection there, but it was just like kind of eye opening. And then, you know, once I got out there, I'm like, I need to make friends somehow. Hockey's probably gonna be the best way to do that, hopefully. And so I reached out to Peter, who was awesome in my time out there, man. He was super gracious. And, uh, He's like, oh, we do a skate on Friday mornings. You should come out. So it's like a pickup skate. I went, played uh, in a pickup skate on Friday morning and like, you know, was saucing it around with guys or whatever. And like before I knew it, after that one skate, I had like three or four text messages from a couple guys like, hey, you want to join our men's league team? <laughs> you want to come play for us? And um, I got really lucky because there's a guy out there who he owns like the best sports bar in town. It's in downtown Milwaukee. It's called Stenny's. It's this like epic sports bar. And his dad owns the bar and basically it's almost like Palma, Wisconsin. Like his, like they sponsor like the best team in the best league. And everyone just loves Stenny's. Everyone loves to go there and party after games and stuff. And so I just got lucky enough that he asked me to be on his team. Like I could have gone and played for any other team and I didn't know at the time. And I was like, Oh, I'll give this guy's team a try and started playing like the downtown, you know, Milwaukee hawk, you know, ice hockey league. And it was super competitive, man. It was like a lot of ex college guys. And, um, this team was just awesome to play on and a great group of guys. And it made my time in Wisconsin. Cause I just all of a sudden had this like group of group of hockey dudes who I would, you know, could go hang out at Stenny's and I, I don't think I paid for a drink in my two years there. They took pretty good care of me. So, wow. Not uh, bad. I just had to make sure that I scored on Monday <laughs> nights, but it was, uh, and then that, that team, he, he ended up taking us up to like the Eagle river pond hockey tournament, uh, which that we ended up winning that whole thing, which was like, there's like 500 teams or something. Wow. Three on, three on three pond hockey, which if there's anything that's pretty similar to roller, it's actually pond hockey. Um, yeah, it's like all like if you can trap pucks and like have like pretty pretty like skilled hands and then um yeah, it was so so like the, my time out there I didn't realize like it was going to be as epic as it was. So shout out to Wisconsin and and Peter Dale for making my time uh just awesome when I was there. It was it was a couple of years ago I remember seeing you uh like training over there before you were heading overseas for a USA tournament. What what year was that? Where 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 were you was, going? That was before Slovakia. Um, okay. So yeah. And we had lost like three years in a row, I think like we hadn't won since 2013. And I, I, you know, at that point, I think I was 27 or 28 and you start to just think, you don't know how many more like looks you're going to get. 2013 was uh, Germany, correct? Yeah, okay. yeah. We won then we lost in 2014, 2015. 
And then, yeah. So when I was out there, I asked Pete, I was like, dude, like, I really want to be on top of my game. Like, can we work together? Like he has, he has this epic little barn out there, um, like in the middle of nowhere and he's got it all decked out and he, he just trained me. We'd work out together. And I mean, that guy is like a cup of coffee in the morning. If you just need to go, uh, go chat with someone to get your spirits up, Peter Dale's the guy. And so I would just go out there. We'd, we'd work out together. I'd rip pucks and, um, he was awesome. His, his younger, his boys are really, really good kids too. And they, they love it. So it was fun to hang around them. I ended up doing some camp stuff like with the Wisconsin kids and Peter and I helped to run a camp out there, which is really cool. So yeah, man, he was awesome. Helped train me that summer. And then we ended up winning, um, you know, in Bratislava. So it was really cool to come back and share that with him. I, I gave him one of my, I think I gave him one of the USA jerseys from that win. And I think he's got a hang. Nice. Pretty cool. So yeah, that barn is, barn is epic. I've had a couple of friends go out there. He doesn't do like weight stuff, right? Like it's all body weight stuff, right? Yeah. He doesn't do a lot of weight. He's actually, man, he's ahead of his time with this. Cause I've gotten more into this over the last couple of years is like way more body weight. And he focuses on like breath a lot more and like, like just form and uh, balance stuff. So it's like way more applicable to hockey than just like doing squats and cleans and just lifting heavy weight. Um, so it was, he knows what he's doing. And if, if you see that guy take his shirt off, he's like in his fifties and so something right. Yeah. The beach hockey. Yeah, man. Uh, beach hockey is, uh, pretty much my new favorite thing right now. Uh, well it's, it's closed down right now, but during quarantine, but it's over the last six months or so, it's been the highlight of my you know weekends pretty much. It's, uh, it's this really like unique skate that has been going on for like 30 years, something like that, 25, 30 years down on the beach in Newport beach. And they just bring two nets out and it's almost like mighty duck style. Like, you know, uh, you stay on it's, it's six on six and you just play games to two. And so if you keep winning, you stay on. And if you lose, you're off and you have to wait. And so on Saturdays when it's really busy, if there's like 25 guys and you lose, you might be sitting for like an hour or two. Wow. So it gets it, more guys out there, the more competitive it gets. But the best part is like, even if you have a stacked team, like sometimes there'll be a stacked lineup. And if it's just games to two, you can still lose like pretty easily. Like just cause you, you don't have goalies. You have like a player standing in net, so you can shoot from anywhere. And so it's actually, that kind of reminds me of pond hockey a little bit. But it's uh, it's gotten more and more competitive. And that's why I'm like really into it now is like, Ethan Jr., John John, Dakota Evelyn's been coming out. Um, like in the summers, like Ryan Lash comes out. Or like, oh, nice. guy, like, he like tears it up in Europe. Um, and so you can get it like where, like let's say if like Junior and I have been running, like let's say we've won three or four games in a row and it's like me, Junior, and John John. And now like Ethan is on the other team and he's got a couple of good guys. Like it gets, gets heated because you want to stay on. Yeah. Um, it gets really competitive and it's, it's hard. Like the, you're playing with a ball and you're, and it's wide open. So it's, uh, it's challenging. Like it's really humbling. Like the, the playing surf, the playing field is pretty evened out because of that. Like you can't just rip it up like you would in normal. So, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a great way to spend a Saturday. Is, uh, is there any money involved? Do people ever like put bets or gamble on anything out there? 
You know, that's a good, good question, Jordan. Put a hat out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've never, I'm not a big gambler, so I've never thrown any money on a game. I'm surprised uh, it more and more doesn't happen. I think guys bet beers and stuff or like dinner afterwards. A lot of guys go out afterwards. Um, But now that you said that, you might've just put that out there. Maybe. maybe (laughs) It'd be tight. It'd be tight. Yeah. (laughs) I do Brad, know guys, guys like jokingly keep stats and stuff, which is pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, I, or maybe it was last year or the year before, you were in, um, were you in Malaysia or Indonesia? or Indonesia. Um, this time Indonesia. So, I mean, my, my family background, obviously, I'm a white guy. It's Europeans. but And so, like, if I want to go to a vacation, like, kind of first things on my list are, like, European-type things. but I remember you telling somebody this summer in Barcelona, just like how amazing it was there. Yeah, man, that place is special. Um, I've, I've traveled a lot. Um, France kind of was the catalyst for like me just loving travel and wanting to explore on my own, um, different places of the world. It just, every place you go to adds more perspective on the, you know, how good you have it back home or, what we do wrong and other places do right. I mean, it's just kind of interesting. It opens your eyes in new ways. So I, I love to surf and Indonesia is one of the best surfing spots in the world um, over in Bali. And so I'd been wanting to go for a while and trying to get buddies to go with me. And, you know, a lot of my buddies are married now or just like weren't able to get the time off work. And I just got to the point where I was like, screw it. I just booked the flight and just went out there solo and um scored some of the best waves of my life met a ton of people from all over the world and like bounced around uh all over the island did did tons of cool like there's just a really cool spiritual element to that place too so um did a lot of yoga did a lot of cool you know weird shit too and uh learned learned a lot met a lot of cool people and then ended up that was before barcelona and then obviously we had a blast in barcelona and then i ended up People I met from Bali, I went on a trip to Italy with later last year. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And then I just booked a trip to, I'm going to go, go hike the Inca trail, um, in November over in Peru and do Machu Picchu. So that trip kind of like showed me how much fun it is to travel alone and go explore new places and meet new people. So that was pretty neat. Are you going alone on, uh, this one in Peru? Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, wrapping this all up, thank you for taking, you know, over an hour out of your day, you know, to sit here and talk. If uh, one person go out and get some wine, what's a wine recommendation you would uh, recommend for someone? That's a good question, man. Um, <laughs> put some, put your natural roots away put there. Put that away. <laughs> Jordan's got in his hands, that's for sure. Uh, you know, there's so many questions to ask if they're a white or a red person. Uh, so if I'm just, if I need, if I want a nice bottle of wine and I, I need to show it off for my girl and so sure. look at this, what, what do get I a co- get? A get a bottle of La Crema Pinot Noir. It's like as sure of a bet as you can find super good quality, really easy drinking red. I've never met anybody who's opened it, not loved it. So uh, I'd say for, for mother's day coming up in a week, get your mom some Kendall Jackson Chardonnay or get, you know, that that's always a safe bet, but I'd say La Crema Pinot Noir. Um, yeah. If you want to impress your girl on date night, that's the one I'd go with. Perfect. 
Well, hey, Travis, no, just want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, I got to lo- know a lot more about you, um, especially about the traveling and the wine drinking. I thought that was really cool. Um, we're going to have to do another one because we can sit here and talk all day about roller and just your adventures. So just want to say thank you for uh, joining the pod. Um, and uh, boys, you have anything else to say? Hopefully we see you sooner than later. Yeah. yeah. I know all this talk of rollers just got me. Got I me know. And so, uh, but I, Hey man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Great to chat with you and just thank you guys for what you're doing. I think it's awesome. I think from the minute Dwyer and I talked about this in Barcelona, like just from the get go, you guys taking a chance on, you know, pumping up roller and doing some cool content. And it's, it's created this community for all of us that we can tap into and talk about and, uh, I'd love to come back on anytime. I can talk roller all day long. So appreciate you guys for what you're doing and uh, best of luck during the rest of the quarantine. Absolutely, man. Maybe if uh, we get to see you this summer, we can do an in-person pod. That'd be a cool one. Cool. That'd be epic. Sounds good, guys.